Section 19 of The Modern Scottish Minstrel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Charlie. The Modern Scottish Minstrel by Charles Rogers. Section 19. The Bard to His Musket. Macintyre acted latterly as a constable of the city guard of Edinburgh, in station procured him by the Earl of Breadalbane, at his own special request, that benevolent nobleman having inquired of the bard what he could do for him, to render him independent in his now advanced years. His salary as a peace officer was sixpence a day, but the poet was so abundantly satisfied with the attainment of his position and endowments, that he gave expression to his feelings of satisfaction in a piece of minstrelsy, which in the original ranks among his best productions. Of this ode we are enabled to present a faithful metrical translation, quite in the spirit of the original, as far as conversion of the Gaelic into the Scottish idiom is practicable. The version was kindly undertaken at our request by Mr. William Sinclair, the ingenious author of Poems of the Fancy and the Affections, who has appropriately adapted it to the lively tune Alistair MacAllister, the song, remarks Mr. Sinclair, is much in the spirit, though in a more humorous strain, of the famous sword-song, beginning in the translation, Come Forth My Glittering Bride, composed by Theodore Körner of Dresden, and the last and most remarkable of his patriotic productions, wherein the soldier addresses his sword as his bride, thereby giving expression to the most glowing sentiments of patriotism. MacIntyre addresses as his wife the musket which he carried as an officer of the guard, and is certainly as enthusiastic in praise of his new acquisition, as ever was lovesick swain in eulogy of the most attractive fair one. O mony a turn of woe and weal may happen to a highland man. Though he fall in love, he soon may feel, he cannot get the fancied one. The first I loved in time that's past, I courted twenty years of own. But she forsook me at the last, and Duncan then was left alone. To Edinburgh I forthwith hide, to seek a sweetheart to my mind, and, if I could, to find a bride, for the false love I left behind. Said Captain Campbell of the guard, I ken a widow secretly, and I'll try, as she's no that ill ford, to put her, Duncan, in your way. As I was wont, I trow, did he, fulfil his welcome promise true, he gave the widow unto me, and all her portion with her too. And whosoe'er may ask her name, and her surname also may desire, they called her Janet, great her fame, and twas George who was her grandsire. She's quiet and affable and free, no vexing gloom or look on hand, as high in rank and in degree as any lady in the land. She's my support and my relief, since e'er she joined me anyhow, great is the cureless cause of grief to him who has not got her now. Ni caution, I've forsaken quite, although she liveth still at ease, and allow the crested stags to fight, and wander wheresoe'er they please. A young wife I have chosen now, which I repent not anywhere. I am not wanting wealth, I trow, since ever I espoused the fair. I pass my word of honour bright, most excellent I do her call. In her I ne'er in any light discovered any fault at all. She's stately fine and straight and sound, without a hidden fault, my friend, 
In her defect I never found, nor yet a blemish, twist, or bend. When needy folk are pinched, alas, for money in great degree, Ah, George's daughter, generous lass, ne'er lets my pockets empty be. She keepeth me in drink and stays, by me in alehouses and all, and at once without a word she pays, for every stoop I choose to call. And every turn I bid her do, she does it with a willing grace. She never tells me aught untrue, nor story false with lying face. She keeps my rising family as well as I could e'er desire. Although no labour I do try, nor dirty work for love or hire. I laboured once laboriously, although no riches I amassed, a menial I disdain to be, and keep my vow until the last. I have ceased to labour in the land, since ere I noticed to my wife, that the idle and contented man endureth to the longest life. Tis my musket, loving wife indeed, in whom I faithfully believe. She's able still to earn my breed, and Duncan she will ne'er deceive. I'll have no lack of linen's fare, and plenty clothes to serve my turn and trust me that's all worldly care now gives me not the least concern john macodrum john macodrum the bard of uisch was patronized by an eminent judge of merit sir james macdonald of skye of whom after a distinguished career at oxford such expectations were formed that on his premature death at rome he was lamented as the marcellus of scotland Macodrum's name is cited in the Ossianic controversy upon Sir James's report as a person whose mind was stored with Ossianic poetry, of which Macpherson gave to the world the far-famed specimens. A humorous story is told of Macodrum, who was a noted humorist, having trifled a little with the translator when he applied for a sample of the old Fingelian in the words, "'Hast thou got anything of or on?' equivalent in Gaelic too hast thou anything to get of the fingelian heroes if i have quoth macodrum i fear it is now irrecoverable macodrum whose real patronymic is understood to have been macdonald lived to lament his patron in elegiac strains a fact that brings the time in which he flourished down to seventeen sixty six his poem entitled song of age is admired by his countrymen for its rapid succession of images, a little too mixed or abrupt on some occasions, its descriptive power and its neatness and flow of versification. Oran Nahush The Song of Age Should my numbers essay to enliven a lay, the notes would betray the languor of woe. My heart is o'erthrown like the rush of the stone, that unfixed from its throne seeks the valley below. The veteran of war, that knows not to spare, and offers us ne'er the respite of peace, resistless comes on, and we yield with a groan, for under the sun is no hope of release. Tis a sadness, I ween, how the glow and the sheen of the rosiest mean from their glory subside. How hurries the hour on our race that shall lower the arm of our power and the step of our pride. As scatter and fail on the wing of the gale, the mist of the veil and the cloud of the sky, so dissolving our bliss comes the hour of distress, old age with that face of aversion to joy. O oh, heavy of head and silent as lead, and unbreathed as the dead is the person of age, not a joint, not a nerve, so prostrate their verve, 
in the contest shall serve or the feet to engage to leap with the best or the billow to breast or the race prize to rest were but effort in vain on the message of death pours an egypt of wrath the fever's hot breath the dart shot of pain ah desolate eld the wretch that is held by thy grapple must yield thee his dearest supplies the friends of our love at thy call must remove what boots how they strove from thy bands to arise they leave us deplore as it wills us our store our strength at the core and our vigour of mind remembrance forsakes us distraction o'ertakes us every love that awakes us we leave it behind thou spoiler of grace that changest the face to hasten its race on the route to the tomb to whom nothing is dear unaffectioned the ear emotion is sere and expression is dumb of spirit how void thy passions how cloyed thy pith how destroyed and thy pleasure how gone to the pang of thy cries not an echo replies even sympathy dies and thy helper is none we see thee how stripped of each bloom that equipped thy flourish till nipped by the winter thy rose till the spoiler made bare the scalp of the hare and the ivory tear from its sockets repose thy skinny thy cold thy visageless mould its disgust is untold and its surface is dim what a signal of rack is the wrinkle's dull track and the bend of the back and the limp of the limb thou leper of fear thou niggard of cheer where glory is dear shall thy welcome be found thou contempt of the brave or rather the grave than to pine as the slave that thy fetters have bound like the dusk of the day is thy colour of grey thou foe of the lay and thou phantom of gloom thou bane of delight when thy shivering plight and thy grizzle of white and thy crippleness come to beg at the door ah woe for the poor and the greeting unsure that grudges their bread all unwelcome they call from the hut to the hall the confession of all is tis time he were dead the picturesque portion of the description here terminates with respect to the moral and religious application it is but just to the poet to say that before the close he appeals in pathetic terms to the young warning them not to boast of their strength or to abuse it and that he concludes his lay with the sentiment that whatever may be the ills of age there are worse that await an unrepenting death and a suffering eternity norman macleod or torimach ban single speech hamilton may be said to have had his marrow in a highland bard nearly his contemporary whose one effort was attended with more lasting popularity than the sole oration of that celebrated person the clan song of the mackenzies is the composition in question and its author is now ascertained to have been a gentleman or farmer of the better class of the name of norman macleod a native of assent in sutherland the most memorable particular known of this person besides the production of his poetic effort is his having been the father of a glasgow professor whom we remember occupying the chair of church history in the university in very advanced age about eighteen fourteen 
assisted by a helper and successor, and of another son, who was the respected minister of Rogart till towards the end of last century. The date of Caberfey is not ascertained. It was composed during the exile of Lord Seaforth, but we imagine before the forty-five, in which he did not take part, and while Macchimay, Lord Lovett, still passed for a Whig. In Mackenzie's excellent collection, page 361, a later date is assigned to the production. The Seaforth tenantry, who, after the manner of the clans, privately supported their chief in his exile, appear to have been much aggrieved by some proceedings of the loyalist Monroe Foulis, who, along with his neighbour of Culloden and Lovett, were probably acting under government commission, in which the interests of the crown were seconded by personal or family antagonism. The loyal family of Sutherland, who seem by grant or lease to have had an interest in the estates, also come in for a share of the bard's resentment. All this forms the subject of Caberfay, which, without having much meaning or poetry, served, like the celebrated Lily Bulero, to animate armies and inflame party spirit to a degree that can scarcely be imagined. The repetition of the staghead when rises his caber on, which concludes every strophe, is enough at any time to bring a Mackenzie to his feet or into the forefront of battle being a simple allusion to the Mackenzie crest, allegorized into an emblem of the stag at bay, or ready in his ire to push at his assailant. The caber is the horn, or rather the tine of the fist-head, no ignoble emblem, certainly, of clannish fury and impetuosity. The difficulty of the measure compels us to the use of certain metrical freedoms, and also of some Gallic words, for which is craved the reader's indulgence. Caberfay, the staghead. A health to Caberfay, a toast and a cheery one, that soon return he may, though long and far his tarrying, the death of shame befall me, be riven off my agey too, but my fancy hears thy call, we should be up and ready, yo. Tis I have seen thy weapon keen, thine arm in action scorning, assign their dues to the Monroes, their welcome in the morning nor stood the catach to his bratach for dread of a belabouring when up gets the staghead and raises his caber on woe to the man of foolish when he to fight must challenge thee nor better fared the roses that lent monroe their valiancy the grantach and the fraser they tarried not the melee in fled forbes in dismay sir culloden wards undallying Away they ran, while firm remain, not one to three retiring so. The earl, the craven, took to haven, scarce a pistol firing, oh. Mackay of spoils, his heart recoils. He cries in haste his cabal on. He flies, as soars the staghead, and raises his caber on. Like feathered creatures flying, that in the hill mist shiver, in haste for refuge hying, to the meadow or the river. So port they sought and took to boat, bewailing what had happened them. To trust was rash the missing flash of the rusty guns that weaponed them. The coracle of many a skull, the relics of his neighbour on, Monroe retreats for Staghead, is raising his caber on. I own my expectation, tis this has roused my apathy, that he who rules creation 
may change the dismal hap of thee, and hasten to restore thee, in safety from thy danger, to thine own in joy and glory, to save us from the stranger, with princely grace to give redress, nor a taunt to suffer back again. The fell Monroe has felt thy blow, and should he dare attack again, then as he flew he'll run anew, the flames to quench he'll labour on, of castle fired when Staghead high raises his caber on. I've seen thee o'er the lowly, a gracious chieftain ever, the Catuch self below thee, and the Gallach cowered for cover, but evermore they're striving, when claimed respect thine eye, to scourge corrected driving, to other lands to fly. Thy loyal crew of clansmen true, no panic fear shall turn them, with steel cap blade and skein arrayed, their banning foes they spurn them, Clan Shimei then may dare them, they'll fly, had each a sabre on, needs but a look when Staghead once raises his caber on. Mounts not the wing a fouler thing, than thy vaunted crest the eagle, O, oh, inglorious chief, to boast the thief that forays with the beagle, O, oh. for shame preferred that ravening bird, my song shall raise the mountain deer, the prey he scorns, the carcass spurns, he loves the crest, the fountain cheer. His lodge is in the forest, while carrion flesh enticing. Thy greedy maw thou buriest, thou kite of prey, thy claws in. The putrid course of famished horse, the greedy hound a-striving. To rival thee in gluttony, both at the bowels riving. Thou called the true bird, never, thou foster-child of evil, ha! How ill match with thy feather the talons of thy devilry. But when thy foray preys on our harmless flocks so dastardly, how often has the shepherd with trusty baton mastered thee? Well in thy fright has timed thy flight, else not alone belabouring, he'd gored thee with the staghead, upraising his caber on. Woe worth the world deceiver, so false, so fair of seeming! We've seen the noble Seafort, with all his war notes screaming, when not a chief in Alapan, Macallan's self though backing him, could face his frown as Staghead arose with his caberon. To join thy might when called the right, a gallant army springing on, would rise from ascent to the crags of Scalapa, rescue bringing on. Each man upon true flinted gun, steel glaive and trusty Dachachan, with the island lord of Sleiche, when up rose thy caber on. Came to the men of Mujart, while streamed their flag its bravery, their gleaming weapons blue-dyed, that havocked on the cavalry, Macalister, Mackinnon, with many a flashing trigger there, the foemen rushing in on, resistless showed their vigour there. May fortune free thee, may we see thee, again in brown the turreted, girt with thy clan, and not a man, but will get the scorn he merited. Then wine will play, and whiskabay, from flagons and from batalon, and pipers scream when Staghead high raises his caberon. End of Volume 1 End of Section 19 Recording by Charlie And if you got this far, congratulations, and always remember... Chacharov Trus Achur Erkat. End of The Modern Scottish Minstrel, Volume 1 by Charles Rogers.